You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a Thursday here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, and that means it's time to get riled up on the Dallas Cowboys with your man, Tom Ryle, and your boy, Roy White. You can follow him at Tom Ryle BTB. You can hit me up at RW3. And of course, you can follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com and on Blogging the Boys on Twitter and on every social media platform that you can find out there. And it's the bye week, Tom. Uh, a relief in some cases of a bye week, I think for many Cowboys fans, not just because we need the break to get guys rested and hopefully maybe see a few players return next week, but also because of the fact of, of what just transpired and how heavy the difference of three and three versus four and two really feels in the NFL today. Yeah. I, I mean, we said I said going into this game in, in articles, and and I can't remember how much we talked about it last time. But it's such a huge difference trying to catch up, you know, if you're down to three games, which it looked like they could go. But then, well, look what happened. Uh, you know, on Sunday we found out there's a reason they play the games. Uh you know, they, uh, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles got beaten by the New York Jets, and suddenly they look a lot more vulnerable. And even the mighty San Francisco Niners stumbled against the Cleveland Browns, which, you know, neither of those were outcomes I think we saw coming. Uh, I so don't think anybody sudden, anticipated that. So all of a sudden, the Cowboys went in instead of being two games behind, they were. Okay, you know, or possibly three games behind. They were at worst going to be two games behind. Then they pull out a, a gutsy but not a flawless win uh, against the Chargers, and now they're one game back. They've got the you know the the Eagles, the 49ers, and the surprising Detroit Lions. Are all at five and one, and the Cowboys are at four and two, and all it's all in range, especially when you consider they play the Eagles twice and the Lions coming up. Well, and when you look at the Eagles specifically, what they've got this weekend, Tom, they have a matchup on Sunday Night Football where they host the most exciting team in the league right now. That's the Miami Dolphins and the offense they can bring to town. So it, there's a decent chance that the Cowboys could be even with the Eagles in the loss column as they approach their next game here in two weeks. Yeah. So uh, it's an incredible difference as to where they are yeah. now today based on their record and based on that outcome versus where they would be had they not won that football game against the Chargers. And whether they deserve to win it or not is not 
for us to decide. We're not going to style point road wins in this NFL, Tom. You and I will not. And uh, we take that one, we put it in our back pocket, and we say thank you very much. That That's absolutely right. But I will say this. We may know where they are, but do we know what they are yet? I don't think so. Uh, this team has been up and down and, and massive swings. They don't have consistency yet. I mean, they started out against the New York Giants, uh, and looked like they were just ready to, to set the league on fire with a 40 to nothing blowout win. Uh, really unexpected. Then they had a fairly easy win against the New York Jets. Uh, but, you know, there were warning signs to me. There were things we needed to watch out for. First off, both of those teams have big quarterback issues and a lot of other holes on their roster. You know, of course, the Jets lost Aaron Rodgers in the first series he played for them. And so they were a radically different team. The Giants just are still trying to get it put together under Brian Dable. And in the Jets, we saw this thing with the red zone show up, you know. And that was probably the main reason they laid an egg against the Arizona Cardinals. There's also the fact that the Cardinals just seem to know how to win against the Cowboys no matter what, uh, which is mystifying. I don't know why that is. I'm glad that it really doesn't look like the Cardinals are going to be in the playoffs because I think I dread them almost more than the San Francisco 49ers because with the 49ers, you can see why. With the Cardinals, it's just like, what? It's outrageous what yeah. the Arizona Cardinals as a franchise have done to the Cowboys. They have a special type of voodoo uh, spell that they've cast over this franchise because there's no explanation for it, Tom. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, yeah. their red zone performance, Cowboys red zone performance, cost them as many as 22 points, which obviously made a tremendous difference in the outcome. Uh, there's this kind of meme out there, the Cowboys are a soft team, and that fed right into it, you know, but – you know, they were down. They needed to come back. Uh, but they had a, a, a an easy task coming back home to AT&T Stadium to face the troubled New England Patriots. And they, they got a relatively easy win, although it looked easier than maybe it was because the defense scored twice in the game, uh, which really the offense didn't have to do a whole lot. And that red zone issue was still lingering. They only got one touchdown in four trips, and that was right at the end of the game, kind of, uh, you know, almost a garbage time thing. Then we saw disaster. They went back on the road, went out to the Bay Area, and went up against the San Francisco 49ers. I still say they're the best team in the NFC and are certainly in the discussion about the best team in the league. The defense, Dan Quinn had no answers for what Kyle Shanahan was putting out there. Uh, They couldn't really stop much of anything. They ran on them. They passed on them. Dak Prescott threw three interceptions. Uh, The offense didn't have to worry about their red zone problems because they didn't get to the red zone in 60 minutes of football. Never took a snap down there. Uh, And they lost both Leighton Vanderish and C.J. Goodwin to injuries. 
Uh, Vandridge, I think, is they're expecting him back in a few weeks. Uh, but Goodwin, I think, has lost for the season. Mm-hmm. That set the stage going into the last game. And as you said, we were all kind of like, oh, gosh, this is too much pressure. Uh, hate the uh, hate the fact that so much was riding on the game. Then Sunday happened, and we're all going like, well, I guess anybody in the NFL can lose, it turns out. There are no unbeaten teams anymore as both the two unbeaten teams went down last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Browns. Thank you, Jets. Uh, the standings got more favorable, and all they had to do was figure out how to win. And they did so in a game that was gutty, that showed some resilience, and showed them having to overcome a lot of their own mistakes, some bizarre things that happened on the field. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, is going to probably have that that call on the so-called muff punt stuck in their crawl because if you read the rules, that was an illegal play. You're not allowed to just throw a blocker into the punt return. That is interference with it. The rest totally, totally whiffed on that. But it happened. And then there was also the Herbert pass completion to himself for for how did he do that the ball just, <laughs> they batted the ball up in the air herbert grabs it and goes i think he made a first down on it and you're going he like sure did. They, they did everything right and look what happened uh so you know it was it was a game that showed some other things they certainly had herbert spooked i think he missed a lot of throws and that's because he was hearing footsteps from all directions now they didn't sack him except for the next to last offensive snap for for los angeles yet you could tell the pressure was affecting the game and meanwhile they shut down the run very effectively so it was a it was a good defensive show with the the end of the game really being the climax for the defense when they got back to backs, they got that first sack, uh, took them from, I think, a, a, a second and two and a th- third and 10. And then, uh, Stefan Gilmore, uh, just flat out. That was a case of veteran savvy. He just outmaneuvered the receiver to get to that ball, get the pick. Uh, I think it was going to be an incompletion anyway. Then it would have been a punt. The Cowboys would have still still kneeled it out. But that just really was a nice exclamation point for Dan Quinn's boys. But, my God, how did they commit 11-plus penalties? Because there were Mm. unaccepted – you know, there, there were penalties. There were times when the Cowboys had two calls against them. So, obviously, only one of them counted in the stats. Well. And the thing I would like to go back and do, how many pre-snap penalties are they committing versus in-play penalties, right? Like, I don't have as much of an issue with a pass interference to save a touchdown or a holding call that defended the quarterback so he didn't get a, you know, didn't, it wasn't exploded, right? But the amount of pre-snap penalties this team has, and look, they're second to last in the league right now in terms of penalties committed. Only yeah. the Seattle Seahawks commit more penalties per game than the Dallas Cowboys at 7.7 through six weeks. If you had to hang your hat on anything from an identity standpoint that you could 
pin the tail on and say the Cowboys are going to do this right now? The answer is the Cowboys are going to get at least five penalties because they've gotten at least five penalties in every game they've played this season. Yeah, that's that's absolutely. And I was actually watching during the game. You know, I think Micah Parsons got got called for one offsides, and the Cowboys is just lining up too close to the line of scrimmage on defense. I, I don't get it. Uh, why are that? You know, it's it's like. Four or five inches, but I think if the refs had been really sticklers, they could have called three or four more because the guys, the players seem to have their helmet creeping over the ball, you know, when you look down the line. Uh, so it, it really was kind of, you know, it's, it's like, I'm like you, what, where's the discipline? Where's that pre-stamp discipline on both sides? Because you get false starts too. Uh, and, you know, SoFi Stadium is not, wildly notorious for being a place where the crowd helps the team with the noise, yet the Cowboys were still making the same kinds of mistakes there. So it's really a a, a true mess. And I don't know what in the world they're going to be able to do about that because you think the coaches would be like jumping up and down and screaming about this by this point. And, And either they're just not getting the message across of the players just don't seem to be listening. And it's worrisome. Uh, Next thing that's got me worried. This was the second game in a row where we had the five starters on offensive line. They're all there lined up left to right. And it was the second game in a row. They looked bad. They, you know, they gave up four sacks, the previous game against the, the 49ers uh, and didn't have a running game. They gave up five sacks against the Chargers and didn't have a running game. And, you know, there's a, there's an old argument that sacks are very much a quarterback stat. But how many plays did Dak Prescott avoid a snack, a sack with almost, you know, he, we talked about Romo Dini. We need a nickname for him, too, for Dak because – Remember the the longest play of the game when when Dak somehow just got out of the grasp of a, of a pass rusher, found Pollard, who then broke out of the grasp of a tackler and wound up with a sixty yard play that set up the Brandon Cooks touchdown to tie the game. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
Well, there were multiple instances of that within that game. There was one in particular where Dak Prescott wound up getting sacked on the play, but his ability to escape the first sack when he was absolutely dead to rights. Now, he struck it out too long. He ended up holding the ball. He got sacked from behind anyway, and I think he got criticized by Troy on the broadcast. But even with that, the amount of times, as you stated, he extended a play, he basically made the play happen. That, to me, has also been somewhat of an identity of this thing, this team through yeah. the first six games, Tom. This offense, this scheme has been a disappointment. Yeah. In my yeah. estimation, they went so far to try to address what had become the hot narrative of the offseason was that the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys led the league in interceptions. They wanted so badly to neuter that narrative that I feel like they've now neutered what makes Dak capable of being considered one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Because yeah. right now, Tom, if you just look at the, the body of work, either statistically or even from the eye test, right, I can make an argument for why I, as a Dak believer, would defend his play and say that he's been still amongst – some of the better quarterbacks in, in the league. But I don't think it's as obvious for as many people to agree upon that as maybe it was when statistically he was also leading the league in those categories. Yeah. Well, he's cleaned it up. I mean, the 49ers game, they were behind. He was forcing stuff. And that was kind of a fluke to get three picks in that game. He's only had one pick outside of that. So that's five games, one interception. Mm. That problem, I think, they just need to quit worrying about. It seems that in the this, this into offense, the offense, Tom, it's not going to like that's that's my concern. It seems to be built into the offense. This is yeah. not this is not going to go away. Where they're all of a sudden going to start opening up the playbook and taking shots. If they weren't taking shots against Arizona, if they weren't taking shots against the Los Angeles Chargers and their thirty second ranked pass defense a week ago, there will be no shots, or at least yeah. a very limited number of them. Yeah, that and what to me, I, my understanding is that the Texas Coast offense depends on making quick reads and getting the ball out. It's obvious the reads aren't there, which says, okay, you've got a problem with the design of the play because the receivers aren't getting any space for Dak to throw into. And then that means they're having to depend on Dak getting creative back there, making something out of nothing and playing hero ball. That's not a successful formula most of the time. Uh, you know, you have some quarterbacks that can do that for a period of time, but you can't really make that how your offense is supposed to work. Uh, they're, they're having part of the problem is they're having almost no success on early down runs. Uh, there's way too many, uh, you know, second too many runs, of them, second, by the way. That uh, was another yeah. thing that was irritating the, the fire out of me. It was so worthless against the chargers and again we, we we figured it out that they have one of the worst pass defenses in the league mike mccarthy and the coaching staff should be able to identify that and look to take advantage of it as opposed to doing what i dare say we criticized old red for for a decade plus which was saying hey i'm gonna run my game and 
they're going to have to beat it. I'm not going to make any adjustments to what the other team is doing. I'm going to run my balanced offense, and that's going to win us the football game. Yeah. We still seem to be – yeah. It does seem hauntingly familiar, appropriate for the month of October perhaps. Mm. Uh, And and there's – you know, you wonder what's – I mean, they did have some long plays. I mean, I think – C.D. Lamb, who was the star of this game outside of if, you know, if there was one more than Dak Prescott, Lamb had 117 yards. He caught all seven balls that were thrown to him. Every one of them went for a first down. And there were a couple of 23-yard receptions in that. I mean, to me, that's taking a shot a bit down the field. Uh, You know, why can't they do more of that? They they did take a shot at Tony Pollard on the play before the game-winning field goal where I'm not sure if Dak was a little off, Pollard turned the wrong way, or there was a little defensive holding going on that might have gotten missed there. Uh, The the, the team has the capability to make some shots down the field. Yes, they're lower percentage than a seven-yard completion, but that gets you down the field when you do make them. I mean, there's also still the thought, uh, and and – by the way, I mean, personally, I don't consider 20, 25 yards to be a shot down the field. A shot to me is like 30 or 40, 50 yards. Like you are hucking that ball because there's two things that can happen. Your guy comes down with it. Well, there's three things, right? They can intercept it, obviously, but you put it in a place where it's a it's a 50-50 ball. Your guy can come down with it, or he can draw a pass interference penalty that gives you a free 30 or 40 yards. And yeah. that to me, taking that shot is as worthwhile, right, as the act itself, just because there are plenty of teams that just, you get one of those in every four or five shots that you take that results in a penalty, that's a huge play in a football game. And I think Brandon Cooks has drawn one or two of those already. Uh, You know, I I think think they need to get him incorporated because right now it ain't happening for Michael Gallup. I don't know what's going on. He had a he had I think a touchdown in his hands. He just flat dropped. Uh, they need to kind of reshuffle the the uh, the emphasis. Uh, we did not see Cavante Turpin on the field hardly at all. I think he had two snaps on offense. Uh, they didn't try Jalen Tolbert. They need to to kind of back off on Gallup because they were he got more targets than anybody else. It's like McCarthy was determined to break him out of the slump by throwing him the ball. Now, maybe it's because the defense recognizes that Gallup is is unreliable with catching the ball right now, and they were leaving him as the guy that was most likely to be open. Uh, and that was so Dak was making the read, throwing the ball, and it didn't work just like the defense expected. So I don't know, but they need to they need to start trying to work some other things. Turpin has flashed. Uh, you know, I think Tolbert would probably do as well, if if not better, if they would try to get him more involved. Uh, so I, you know, you, you get you get to this point, and oddly, you realize that the only thing that has absolutely, completely, and totally worked for this team. Was they kept Brandon Aubrey as their place? Yeah, I was about to say, like the only thing that we are always critical of, we haven't talked one word about it. Uh, 
from a critical standpoint, because there's nothing bad to say. He's been yeah, lights out. <laughs> And he's not just making field goals. He's like putting them all like within five feet of the middle of the, the, the yes. uprights. It's, it's not even, nothing's come close to missing. Uh, you know, and, you know, I was mentioning Cooks. Uh, he had the crucial reception. I think it was an 11-yard catch that got it into where Aubrey was just well within his range and it was just a piece of cake for him. Uh, so, they need to rethink who they're going to on offense. They, you know, they need to get seven instead of three more often. Those are big issues that this team has. That's what the bye week needs to work on. Now, do we have any confidence at all? This is going to get fixed. Oh God, Tom, why do you got to ask that? <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's a loaded question. No, I, I, I have no confidence that it's going to get fixed. Yeah. Myself. I, um, I think they can address some of the things on the defensive side of the ball. I think Dan Quinn can make adjustments. They'll benefit in a couple of weeks by getting Leighton Vander Esch back. And, you know, you didn't mention it in your kind of recap, but one of the things that really changed the course of this team, and we just have to acknowledge it, is the injury to Trayvon Diggs right before that yeah. third game they played against Arizona, right? That was almost the beginning of whoa. Do we need to have yeah. questions here? What's going well, on? And then the injuries kicked in, right, for the offensive line, and now here we are. I don't and, have any faith that the offense is going to fix it. And, I don't and, have the, faith. and I'm the, shocked that we haven't had seen more use. Of, you know, you mentioned Dur- Turpin and those guys. Where's Deuce Vaughn? Where's Luke Schoonmaker, right? Yeah. Uh, Schoonmaker, where's Jake I'm, Ferguson? Jake Ferguson was had one target. And one catch. Why Why well, the tight end that, disappeared? That, I think, was a game plan thing. Whether they decided, hey, we need to feed the wide receivers to, you know, get CD back involved. There was a lot of talk of CD being unhappy and maybe, you know, getting him a little bit more attention. I think your theory about also feeding Gallup a little bit to try to build some confidence there, I think that has some merit to it. So I think maybe Jake Ferguson in this game, just in this game, was a casualty of that particular game plan. That's the one instance I but but I agree with you. Like I first and foremost, this draft class, no offense to Mozzie Smith, who I think will still be serviceable in the future. I just don't think that Cowboys fans really want to hear that you drafted a first round player with the hope of him being something in the future. Yeah. And he, he only got, I think, 25% of the snaps. Now, he was good. He didn't he's get better. any. He's looking he, better. He's not, like, yeah. lost in there. Yeah, it's maybe, you know, maybe they tried to look too far down the road instead of going with a better option there. And I think we've got to we've got to look at that. The, the guy that I think was going to get a starting role, of course, wound up missing the whole season and DeMarvion overshone. He was just looking great. And I, we have to give a shout-out to Marquise Bell. Uh, he had, I think, seven tackles. Uh, he's basically playing as a linebacker, even though he's yep. a safety. And he looked good. And, you know, like I said, they stuffed the run fine. That was not a problem. And the Chargers are, are like a mediocre running team, but they had nothing uh, to, to, to show for it in this game. And it strictly became a matter of, of the passing game. And 
I think Dak clearly pl- outplayed Justin Herbert. Uh, but you know, if if well, they I, had, if if Herbert had just been a little bit more on target, I don't know if the Cowboys could have won this game. I mean, he missed two throws in particular to Keenan Allen that sure looked like touchdowns or certainly huge gains. Yes. Uh, Deron Bland on the Cowboys side, at least in terms of what we think we found, found something there. Deron Bland yeah. has legitimately turned into a player that, hey, you got Stephon Gilmore, you traded for him, hoping you could find an answer. Well, opposite Trayvon Diggs next year, I think you have that answer in Deron Bland. I think that's I at least so. something if we continue to see that development, yeah, we're going to be able to hang our hats on as a positive from this season. But the other questions that I have, you know, offensive line, there's a guy out there right now, Tom, that I'm interested in knowing if you would even pursue. Former Cowboy offensive lineman Lyle Collins visited with the New York Jets last week. He's visiting with the Giants this week. You're making a real dubious face. So I've got a thought on what you might think here, but I'm throwing his name out because he's got familiarity familiarity with the Cowboys scheme, number one. And number two, we do believe there's a depth issue on this offensive line. Correct? Okay. Yeah. And I think it's a full question. I'm more concerned. I'm not as concerned about the depth because they actually played pretty well with some of the subs during the uh the first four games of the year uh i i'm more concerned about the performance of the starters i think there's problems that were that were present when collins was with the cowboys that i don't think would make him an acceptable target but there is uh talk out there among people that were discussing the trade i don't remember who it was i didn't watch the clip they think the cowboys are going to be in the market for a cornerback that they are they want some more depth at that position right now because you know they they you know they seem to be managing pretty well with bland and and gilmore jordan lewis but they don't have depth right now you know they 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 could be hurting there if something happens to another one of them so that was somebody's opinion. The Cowboys will be aggressive at the trade deadline. I don't know what they're going to trade, <laughs> you know, because they already traded away a good bit of their draft capital uh, in order to get uh, Gilmore and Cooks. And those were smart moves, both of them starting to pay off, it looks like. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know because, let's face it, after the bye week, it's – it's going to be a tough road to hoe. Uh, you know, they face the Eagles twice. We don't know for sure whether the Eagles are good or bad right now. They face the Bills. They face the Dolphins. They face the Lions. But, you know, they do have six out of 11 home games. They play. Remember, they played four of their first six games on the road. Both of their losses came on the road. They seem to be becoming something of a home team. Although then you have to look at the the level of competition they face. So I, I don't know that the Dallas crowd is never going to seem to be a, a, a big advantage. They just sit on their hands, sip their cowboy ritas, and 
text people that hey, I'm at the Cowboys game. Ain't I? Ain't I special? Yeah. So, well, it's... if you want any positive from their home field versus their road splits, it is in the penalties category. They're only averaging about five penalties at home this season versus almost nine on the road. So maybe there's something to that. I think we'll need a little bit more data to say that that's something we can hang our hat on definitively. For what we can hang our hat on, though, hey, this team's probably going to commit a fair amount of penalties. Uh, I think the offense is proving to be serviceable for Prescott. He He can operate in it. I don't think I believe it's the best offense. Yeah, for and they need, and they need to figure out the running game. He's, you know, you don't want to lean on the run, but you need to have more than they're getting. You need to consistently be able to put up around 100 yards on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, and especially with Prescott now contributing some of his legs, they should be able to hit that mark. Uh, on the defensive side, relentless pass rush. I feel confident that that will continue to be a theme for this team. Now we've seen them get gashed in the run game in some areas. So I'm not yet ready to say that they've handled their run game deficiencies because I don't think we're there just yet, but I think you can hang your hat on the fact that the Cowboys pass rush will be there game in and game out. And I also think you can depend on a good number of these cornerbacks. Now that being said, unfortunately the position is one that you can be right 95% of the time. But if you're wrong 5%, that could be two touchdowns and that could be the difference yeah. in football. So, and, and another shout out for Osa, Osa Adigizua. He has been dynamite, and including getting pressure up the middle. Uh, but, you know, we've got the bye, so we don't have a game to cover next time. So I think it's going to be a time for us to take our vision and speed Spin it forward, not just to the Los Angeles Rams, who are the next team up, but to what they've got to face in those final 11 games and what we think it's going to take for them to make the playoffs and maybe make a run at a high seed. Well, we want to hear from you. What do you think the Cowboys can hang their hat on through six games thus far this season? Hit Tom up at Tom Rowell BTB. Hit me up at RW3, both on Twitter. And, of course, follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com. And make sure that you subscribe to that Blogging the Boys YouTube channel. We got two podcasts for you every single weekday. And then we have the pre, the post, and the halftime shows there on the YouTube channel as well. So make sure you check those out and get involved with us. For Tom, I'm Roy. Y'all stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we'll see you next Thursday. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.